This week's podcast brought to you by New England Clam Chowder. I was at the vet this morning with our dog, just getting her her normal checkup, and uh, one of the things I had to bring with me was a stool sample, fortunately hers and not mine. So yesterday when I took her for a walk, I saved the bag and they told me to refrigerate it, but fortunately it was cold enough outside that I just left the bag in the garage, but brought her in. She had all of her tests, and as we were leaving the vets, our, our vet, Dr. Dennis, handed me this tiny vial about the size of half of a pencil and said, if it's not too much, um, see if you can get a urine sample. <laughs> and I looked at her I said, exactly how am I supposed to do that? And you and I have seen plenty of times, especially in the cities, in cities, people walking their dog, following behind them, picking up their poop, which is what we do when we walk our dog. But I have never seen anyone walking behind their dog (laughs) trying to get a urine sample. So that's the challenge I'm leaving for you. I got her stool sample. I'm going to let you get her urine sample. That is one vile vile. has no pain no gain and we found that to be fact the road might twist and turn a bit but we all arrive intact mr mom and mrs dad having each other's back day by day just to keep it sane who's the ball and who's the chain it's hard to tell right here on happiness lane so last week when we were done with the podcast, you said to me, your crutch has become when you're talking about things to start the sentence with so. And you're right. And as I've been listening to other people getting interviewed or listening to other podcasts, everybody does it. Everybody starts their sentences with so. So if it happens today in that context, you have to call me on it. And I know you will because if there's anything you're good at, it is calling me on my verbal tics. So, I'm actually, uh, I'm wearing a shirt now that says I'm silently correcting your grammar. <laughs> and if people think you're joking, when we were on vacation last summer, we were in Provincetown, Massachusetts, and anyone who's been there knows there's a plethora of creative and colorful t-shirts you can purchase. You can't see the delight in Rebecca's face when she <laughs> says plethora. <laughs> to our oldest daughter's credit, our 12-year-old said to you, Dad, you have to get that shirt. And it does. It says, I'm silently correcting your grammar. But that's only for everyone except for me, because you are not silently correcting my grammar. You are vocally correcting my grammar normally. So it's going to happen today if I start any thought with the word so dot dot dot. Well, if it makes you feel any better, it isn't just you. I've noticed that everybody starts, especially when they're answering a question, they start their sentence or their answer with so. What did you do today? So I had breakfast, bacon and eggs, etc. 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 Something the king and I. You don't need What's multiple etc. Just one correcting your grammar. <laughs> that is from the king and I. Hey, but it's funny because I didn't even notice it until you brought it up. But those are obviously the kind of things that you are very in tune to. If you repeat certain catchphrases or certain crutch phrases when you're say broadcasting a basketball game, I keep those to myself. 
You know, you you do. You are good about that. When I come home, you don't tell me all the things I said wrong in a game. Most of the time, it's because you haven't been watching. No, but it's but, because you never say anything wrong. <laughs> there you go. Well done. Uh, it reminds me of uh, my favorite show when I was a kid was Moonlighting with Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard. There was one episode where Bruce Willis's character was just trying to get on, on her nerves, and he just kept walking around behind her saying, am I redundant? Am I redundant? Am I redundant? Anyway, that uh, that's what makes me think of that so we were at i just did it ah this past weekend we were watching our uh our kids play basketball games there were a couple games but they were a few hours apart so we went out to lunch and we went to panera i like to go to panera it's it's one of my spots and when we were there i was paying for for lunch and for the first time this happened where um, i use a credit card and all of a sudden on the screen it came up would you like to tip the wait staff I guess it's not wait staff, whatever it would be there, because they don't actually wait on you. But would you like to tip? So, and they give you they give you four options. You know, two dollars, five dollars, one dollar, other. So I just, without even thinking, I just pressed okay, the two dollar one. But then after the the bill came, I realized it was like a five percent tip. And so, what's worse? Is it worse to not? tip or is it worse to just be a really bad tipper which I was in that instance but also it's weird sometimes when you go to places and um, you wonder exactly what am I tipping for like at Starbucks I get it that you're asking them to make you some ridiculous concoction they're over at the machine and you know no I wanted soy milk I, I wanted one squirt of vanilla not two like they should be tipped because you're being obnoxious. And I go to Starbucks, so I, I am one of those. Do you people. actually say those things? At no, Starbucks? I don't say any of those things. But but I do, you know, throw some money in in their little tip jar. But it's it's uncomfortable for me. One one of the things when I work on Sundays at ESPN in the college season, one of the things I do often on my way home, and I haven't eaten most of the day, is we have a great Chinese restaurant in our town, and I'll order ahead and I'll pick up the Chinese food. And when I go to pay for it. The receipt comes back when I pay a credit card and the receipt comes back and there's a space for tip. And obviously it's there because they use it for the people who are dining in. But I always feel slightly uncomfortable leaving that blank. But at the same time, what would I be tipping for? All, you know, I'm paying for the food they've prepared. They've put it in boxes and put it in a bag. But it's just it's a weird, uncomfortable feeling, I think, when people ask you to tip and there's nothing to tip for. I can assure you I didn't feel guilty about not tipping at Panera when I was bussing my table and balancing the various All pieces of crockery, and soup bowls and things <laughs> on the Jenga tower of other people's split pea or, or French onion soup that's still in the bowl. And then I'm collating the silverware into different different bins. Well, of course, you didn't feel bad for not tipping because... I already, I did tip and I tipped poorly. So, I also didn't feel so, bad for not paying. <laughs> yes, clearly. Well, th- that's what I, I think you tipped fine. Tipped what? I mean, when I tipped they, more than I ever have before at Panera. When they give you a menu of options designed to make you feel guilty, would you, it happened in a taxi in Miami last week. Would you like to tip 25%, 20%, 15% you cheap bastard or something less than that? It's like when you donate money to a charity and they say, would you like to give $10,000 and be in the President's Club? Right. $5,000 and be in the Senator's Chamber? Or some lesser amount and be in the, you know, the cheapskate circle? How about just giving some money and 
doing a charitable act. Well, it's uh, it's interesting because you and I have talked about this before. Whenever you go to an airport, at least our airport, Bradley Airport, which I love, I think has the best TSA in, in the entire country, that aside, you go to the kind of the gift shop to get water, gum, a snack, whatever it is. And when you're checking out, they always say, would you like to donate to the troops? And they don't mean, would you like to give us $10, which we will then send to our troops. They mean, would you like to spend $10 on a bunch of crud from our store that we will then send to the troops? It's sort of off-putting. I I would be all in favor of it if they were soliciting donations where 100% of the money went to support that organization, but that's not what it is. It's trying to get you to spend more money in their store. I don't, I don't know how it works. That. But if it, in fact, it means my buying a $4 bag of Sun Chips that you will then send to the troops, I think there's a more efficient and probably better way to donate to the troops than yes. that. We had this conversation this past summer with your family, and a couple of your family members were really mad at you that you that you thought of it this way, but I don't think they understood. Your point wasn't, of course I support our troops and I would be happy to financially support our support our troops, but I'm not going to do it by buying a $4 bag of Sun Chips. Related to that, because last week... We- it is as if you go into a car dealership and you buy a car and they say, would you like to buy an additional car for the troops? <laughs> I think I'd be doing more for you, the car dealership, than I would be doing for the troops. Right, right. That's, I'm sure that's a perfect analogy to these sun chips or the, or the lip balm. But in the grocery store before Thanksgiving, you know, would you like to, you're, you're checking out your groceries, would you like to donate to the, the, the food pantry in town? And uh, of course, yes, I'm happy to donate whatever the amount is. You know that food is going directly to the food pantry. So this happened to me probably a couple weeks ago. And yes, I'd like to do that. Well, I go to the grocery store a couple times a week. So I was there maybe two days later with a different cashier at the checkout. And this time again, would you like to donate again? And, And you feel like obligated to say, well, I already did, because now you're feeling guilty for not doing it that time when you did it the time before. So it's just, it's all these difficult if, waters to navigate. If you run errands, you, you can be asked in several different places, several different times in the day to add a dollar or two to your bill to donate to a specific cause. Right. Right. You don't say, well, I was just at CVS and gave right. a dollar to such and such. Right, charity. right. Well, the other thing, because I think I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good when, I'm, when I tip. And, and if I'm in a cab, I almost always pay credit card. Out to dinner, I always pay credit card. And, and, and it's easy to tip. The times where I get stuck is if I'm somewhere where you can only tip with cash. Like if I, if I go to a hotel, and I usually bring my bag in myself, but if the guy grabs the bag, and you go to tip him because of course you're supposed to and your option is either to give him nothing or the $20 bill that is in your wallet which is absurd I'm not going to give you $20 for carrying my bag or if I'm leaving a hotel and I want to leave money for the housekeeping and you just don't have an appropriate amount to to leave it's either going to be a dollar which is way too little or a bill that's that's too high and it sounds obnoxious, but those are the times you're like, all right, I don't have time to get change. I don't. I, I appreciate what this person is doing, how how hard they're working, and I I, I want to leave a tip. But exactly, just what do I do here? As discussed on a previous podcast, just as it is apparently socially taboo to make change out of the church collection basket, <laughs> we are not allowed to ask the <laughs> the valet to make change. 
I have a 50. Can you give me, can you give me 47 back? (laughs) If there's ever been someone who did that, it would have been you. Have you ever done that? (laughs) No, I just err on the side of guilt and give them the 20 rather than the zero. I don't believe that's true. Well, it it is true. In fact, I am so guilt-ridden that in the rare times that I order hotel room service because no restaurants are open and it's midnight and they deliver it. And of course it's overpriced to begin with. And there's an automatic 25% gratuity has been added according to the bill. In addition, there is an 18% delivery charge added. They still leave the space for the tip. I'm always putting down 20% for that. Right, of course. I've now paid $117 for a cheeseburger. For for an omelet, right, exactly. One place that they don't ask for uh, tips, at least that I've seen, is at Costco. And I like going to Costco. I don't go there very frequently, but I do go there occasionally. You absolutely detest going to any place where there's going to be long lines and lots of people, and that usually is one of them. But Or short lines and lots of people. <laughs> right. But last, last time I went, I asked you to go with me for no other reason than the comedy I knew it would provide. So you observe things like me starting sentences with so, but you also observe things when we're out places that other people wouldn't. So I wanted to get your hot takes on uh, on the Costco experience. I don't have any great hot takes on Costco. You know, first of all, you asked me to go so that I could go in search of things like a 27-pack of Charmin, which is... You know what? We stayed together the whole time until the end when I realized I forgot to get toilet paper. At first I said, can you please go get toilet paper? I forgot it. You know which kind we use. And you turned around and looked at me completely baffled. No, you don't know which kind we use because it just magically appears. But anyway, so you scurried off. First of all, we had to park, and it's always a it's always a pleasure because it's ten thousand cars in a in a ten thousand and one space lot. You run the gauntlet of the super senior trolley jockeys. We did go on a weekday morning when it was ninety five percent older demographic. That is definitely true. Well, I mean, I'm part of that. I am the very cliche of the of the guy who sits on the patio furniture that's 50% off in November while his wife shops. Not in this case. You watched me push the cart around and put stuff in it. <laughs> I just like the moment you walk in and they ask for your membership card. I don't have one. What would happen if I slipped past security? <laughs> I mean, it, it, I realize it's membership in the sense of, you know, this false sense of exclusivity that is conveyed by, like, the members-only jacket of the 1980s. It's, it's, it's afforded only to those who are willing to buy a members-only jacket. Right, right. Would they really turn me away if I wanted to buy stuff at Costco if I didn't have a membership card? I, I don't know exactly what would happen because I've never done that. I who, do like that the one, it was a it was a senior a female senior citizen who was checking the membership cards as we went in. She just like looked at us and gave us the secret head nod. And if I had gate crashed, else. would security? I, have... I honestly don't know what would happen. Hopefully, somebody will send us a tweet and let us know what happens if you try to get into Costco and purchase things I, without I would, actually being a member. I should say I would never try that. Just the the chain link fencing when you walk in. I'm talking about the chain link fencing on the inside. It looks like the exercise yard at Pelican Bay. <laughs> it intimidates me, and I don't want to know what, what, what they do to you if you gate crash it. I think everything in, in there intimidates you. You know, I, I would make some suggestions. No, we're not going to look at, no, we're not going to never eat this much cereal. 
It's just two bags of cereal in one box. Of course, we're going to easily go through that in less than a week. I just don't like heaving burlap sacks of green beans across my shoulder. <laughs> I don't even think green beans come in burlap sacks. They do there. <laughs> well, what what were some of the things that you actually enjoyed about about the Costco ah, experience? The, uh, the, the plethora, the potpourri of smells. Well, that was fascinating because as we're walking through, you would say to me, what's that smell? What's that smell? And I said, well, we just went past where they have the, the Christmas wreaths actually made from, you know, real pine tree branches. So it, it, it was It changed pine. from it from ch- station to station. Yes. I, I, I honestly went on consecutive steps from an overpowering smell of flannel to an overpowering <laughs> smell of fennel. <laughs> I know you like the verbal part of it, but that's not true. It is true. It is absolutely true. But what was also interesting is because we're just like in the canned good aisle going, you know, walking past and not getting 48 ounce cans of crushed tomatoes. But the second we exited that aisle and we were where they had kind of Christmas presents, immediately there was Christmas music playing. But you couldn't hear it in the aisles where you were shopping for food. But the second you got near the toys and the clothes and the flannel, not the fennel, you could hear Christmas music. It really is a is a well done production there in the warehouse they call Costco. I did I did write down on a catering form that I stole out of a catering section at Costco something I saw imprinted on the plastic lids of the meatloaf and mashed potato combo. This is in the prepared food prepared section, foods, right? Where yes. you can just take it and heat it up and eat it. And it's stamped on those lids is the apparently new phrase lid non-ovenable <laughs> i didn't notice that uh, ovenable non- ovenable <laughs> on its own is brilliant but non-ovenable <laughs> when you pointed at you pointed at that and i thought you were laughing at just the fact that the there sheer was mashed quantity potatoes on, yeah there's a there was a huge amount of mashed potatoes on one side and a huge amount of meatloaf on the other i did not notice the non-ovenable portion of that. The lid was non-ovenable, but my favorite sort of mass quantity at, at Costco, and it took me back in a Proustian memory. It took me back to the time I first met your grandmother, your mom's mom, granny. There was a spackling bucket, maybe a, a five-gallon bucket of, of New England clam chowder. This is at Costco, not at, Costco. at Granny's. And yes. at Granny's also, because we were driving back, I think, from Cape Cod, where we just married, maybe? I think so, yes. And we stopped at your granny's outside of Boston, and it was 10 o'clock in the morning, and she had <laughs> brewed a brewed a giant vat of her signature New England clam chowder. It's delicious. And in what could only have been a hazing incident, I was <laughs> sat down at her kitchen table and made to eat bowl after bowl after bowl of Granny's New England clam chowder. <laughs> you weren't you are made to eat anything. She was, served you a bowl of clam chowder. It was chowder. delicious. When she asked me if I wanted seconds, I said, no, I'm, I'm fine. And she said, of course, Steve, you want seconds. And she gave you more. And you then there were thirds. It. Then there were thirds. And then the best part was, after you could no longer even move from eating so much you know, thick, creamy New England clam chowder, what was the dessert she brought out? It Was, was it homemade apple pie? It was. <laughs> and then I went tottering out of there at 10.15 in the morning, <laughs> good for the next two days, realizing that I had just been the victim of a peculiarly New England style of torture. I had just been chowderboarded by your granny. 
My grandmother, we had her funeral, actually, this past weekend. She passed away on October 16th, but was down in South Carolina. And and we had a nice family service for her this past weekend. And, And my brother and sister and I and our cousins were talking about her. And she could have been the best athlete in our family. She was 93 when she died this past fall. And when we were kids, she would go out, we'd play wiffle ball, and she never let us win. She could just throw a mean curveball. She could hit the ball. She was the best ping pong player in our family. We, we couldn't beat her until we were in middle school or high school. And then when she... in Candle pin bowler? Yeah, she, she, was, she was the state champion as a senior in candle pin bowling. I actually had somebody after our first or second podcast send me a message on Twitter because I had made a joke that, you know, I'm big with the grannies, that that they're fans of women's basketball. And, And somebody said, you know, keep in mind that a lot of the people who supported you didn't have an opportunity to play. And thinking of that and then thinking of my grandmother this weekend, it's absolutely true. So many times people will come up to me and say, almost with tears in their eyes, and say, we're so glad and happy for the opportunity that you got that all these girls are getting now because we would have loved to have played sports when we were kids and we didn't get that chance. So my grandmother had nine brothers, one sister. She grew up around sports and she never had a formal way to express that, but she was a great athlete, passed it on to us. And uh, I just want to say to that woman who, who reached out to me on Twitter and all the other older people who never had that opportunity, we do recognize that. We appreciate it and keep making your clam chowder for Steve. (laughs) She lives on not only in the memory of of the chowder boarding, but her legacy survives in what we call, have come to call your high grand voice. When I first met you, (laughs) you would speak as you do uh, in everyday life, different from the way you sometimes speak in interviews or, or on the telephone, but only when your grandmother would call. So we would be sitting there watching TV. You would say something like, get a load of this buffoon while, while what, taking a while taking chomped end of a cigar. Yes. Like, what are you talking Throwing about? Throwing your stogie into the gutter. But the phone would ring, and you would pick up the phone, and it would be your, your granny calling, and you would say, suddenly segue into, hi, gran, <laughs> in, in this, <laughs> this utterly sweet different, joy, sweet right. voice that apparently was how your grandmother thought of you all the time. The first time I got off the the. I was in college in my freshman year, and I got off the phone after talking to my grandmother, and my roommate looked at me, and she said, what was that voice? And it's not something I did intentionally. It's just when I would talk to my grandmother, I would become that little kid again that she used to beat in ping pong. Do I, I think that's the only time. You, you, you'll never hear my high grand voice again because, unfortunately, she, she is uh, no longer there to talk to on the phone. As I say, she she's survives in the high grand voice and in the memory of Costco clam chowder. And Costco is not only known for their clam chowder, but when you leave Costco, you can buy food to eat. You can get hot dogs, you can get soda, you can get a variety of things. And when we were there, one of the things you can get, and, and our, our, our daughter has actually gotten one when she's been with me before, you can get a chimichanga. And this weekend, you were telling one of our kids a story about you at Marquette that involved chimichangas. And this is one of those stories that I just shake my head, kind of like when you made change out of the collection basket that, first of all, how did this actually happen? And secondly, how did I marry the person that this happened to? Well, before I tell that story, (laughs) thank you for bringing up the food that you can get at the counter at Costco, because this past summer, I had a conversation with the great Joey Chestnut world champion of the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, eater of 80 hot dogs in a 10 minutes 
in the Nathan's contest. I my numbers may be off there, but I asked Joey Chestnut if he could bear the sight of a hot dog when he wasn't competitive eating in competition. He said, absolutely, he loves hot dogs. He gets them at uh, Oakland A's games and that he cannot leave a Costco without getting the $1.50 hot dog and 20-ounce soda combo that is offered on the way out. So everyone, when you go to Costco, you're not the only ones who can't get out without getting the hot dog and soda combo. But can we please get back to the chimichanga story? The chimichanga story. So when I was at Mar- so There I've you just see, done it. you just did it. Uh, it's like uh, old people start to resemble, old married couples start to resemble each other. When I was at Marquette, there was a great Mexican restaurant off campus called Amigos. I would go there for a styrofoam clam box of nachos, chips slathered in orange cheese with a Z, and black olives. Did they ask you for a tip when you got your takeout from there? They they, they did not. They knew enough not to ask College me College kids that. aren't tipping anyway, so okay. But they also did an excellent chimichanga, and I would go get two of these big chimichangas and as takeaway and usually I was starving when I when I went to get them and uh, it took all of my willpower not to eat them on the way back to my dorm or to my apartment and one night I went ordered two chimichangas the anticipation of eating these things was was uh, off the charts I got them it had started to rain while I was in Amigos takeout counter and by the time I left the restaurant the bag the paper bag was already translucent with grease on the bottom now I'm running through a rainstorm to get back to my my dorm and the bottom of the bag bursts and the two chimichangas fall out of the bag into a mud puddle in a parking lot in a vacant parking lot and I'm now forced to make a decision do I leave them there in what has become a tortilla flotilla <laughs> with the smell of flannel and fennel? <laughs> or do I do what I did, reach in with both hands, pull them out of the water like I've just been hillbilly hand fishing, run to tower my dorm, stick them on the radiator to dry, and then eat them? Well, that's what I did. That's, that's It's disgusting. I mean... Why couldn't you have just gone back? You're already wet at this point. I'm sure you had an extra couple of bucks. Go back and get some Jimmy, get some fresh chimichangas. That's just there's so many levels of that that are disgusting to me. First um, of all, two dollars and eighty cents doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> well, that you know, when we were at when we were at Costco, you, the one thing you wouldn't let me get. Which is actually, it was good to have you with me because there's some things I would have come home with that I would have regretted the second I, I saw them in our house instead of at Costco and realized we don't need these. I wanted to get the boot warmers. They're these four poles sticking straight up. You plug it in, you put your boots on them. I was thinking for the kids when, they, when they're out in the snow, of course, we have eight boots that would need to go on there for our kids and there was only enough for four. But that could also have been just a chimichanga warmer. You could have... You know, perched those on there and uh, brought it would have been a chimichanga revitalizer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if anybody needs their chimichanga revitalized, (laughs) it's you. (laughs) You're laughing a bit too hard. Well, with Christmas approaching, our kids 
actually ever since Thanksgiving, our kids have asked us, one, when is our Elf on the Shelf going to get here? Um, because all of their friends' Elf on the Shelf arrives at their house. I think you're talking elves on the shelves <laughs> when it's plural. Right. And since some of them have plural elves, theirs arrive the day after Thanksgiving. And ours, his name is Harry Larry. You and our, our oldest daughter named our elf. And he comes on December 1st. So our kids have been asking, when is Harry Larry get here? And we're excited for that. And they've also been asking, when are we going to get our Christmas tree? And they get so excited to get the Christmas tree. And, and it's just like when I was a kid, we would we go and we'd get a tree. Oftentimes it's still rooted in the ground and we, we cut it down. Sometimes it's already been cut, but we get what I always had as a kid, and that is a live Christmas tree. And this has become a bit of a debate for you and me because you did not grow up with well with a live Christmas tree. I have news tree. for you. I have news for you. When you go to the Christmas tree farm and you're handed a handsaw and told to walk into the forest and cut down a tree which I end up doing, and then dragging it like a corpse through the snow back to the place where it gets bundled to be put on your car. It's no longer a live tree. Hold it's on. a dead tree. Hold on, hold on. Can I just say this? Because that's not how I remember this. The first time that you and I went to get a tree and we went with my parents to the place that they would go and they handed us a saw. <laughs> and in your defense, this is the first time you'd done this, but this is true. You're looking at me quizzically because you don't remember this, but I do because I was embarrassed at the time. So we go, we find the tree that we want, and there's like 14-year-olds riding around on the ATVs to help people navigate the forest, as you call it, which really is the tree farm. So we go, we find, you know, we look all around, we, we, we find the tree that we want, to which you took the handsaw, hung it on the top of the tree, and found the 14-year-old who then came over and cut it down for us. And dragged it to the thing. You were. You I thought were, it was a you broke it, you bought it no, kind of. You a were thing. the grown man. You were supposed to get down wearing your flannel and your my little and, hat with the ear flaps. Yes, and your uh, and your work boots, and impress me by cutting down that tree. And instead, you hung the saw on it and got the fourteen-year-old. <laughs> and uh, at least, hopefully, we tipped him after he cut down our tree. And you looked at me with the withering contempt that I've become accustomed Here to. Here comes the city boy. <laughs> I also remember your mother, and this was very, very important to her, that when we got the tree home, we had to instantly do something to it. I can't remember what. Put it, put in, the it water in water. To avoid <laughs> a phrase I'd never heard and hope to never hear again, to avoid a... Sap seal. Sap seal. <laughs> There's nothing worse than a Christmas tree sap seal, I've been told. I didn't know if we were trying to do this to avoid the Christmas tree getting a sap seal. I could possibly get a sap seal from cutting down the tree. I, but I, this is why I appreciate my family's childhood tradition, which I very much wanted to continue in our family, which was gathering around the green pole into which we inserted branches. When assembling our tree annually. I've never seen a, a tree assembled or disassembled. Well, we kept it in the box under the stairs in the basement. Color-coded branches. We purchased it out of the Sears catalog. And we liked it. We loved it. It was it was a, a fake tree, what I like to call a faux fur. <laughs> so and Christmas it served tradition. its purpose. There were no sap seals. 
There was no watering. There were no needles falling into there's, the... There's also no smell. The the awesome smell, the second you walk into the house, it doesn't matter where the tree is, you smell that great smell. It smells like Christmas. It smells, smells like, like a certain part of Costco. <laughs> smells like a taxi. The pi- no, pine tree air not. freshener. We could hang one of those on, it's a faux not, fur, and no, be done with it. It's not the same. You can't find that smell. And there's something to be said. I enjoy the. I enjoy when you put the the ornaments on and some of the needles fall, or or the sound when you vacuum up some of the needles as it's going up. That's all part of Christmas. Like a, a, assembling a fake tree isn't Christmas to me, of course, because that's not how I grew up. Fortunately, our children will have my traditions and watch their father watch a 14-year-old cut down a tree that will then be have, tied to the roof of my car by a 12-year-old by because a 12-year-old. I cannot figure out the mechanics of twine yeah, and luggage Because actually that happened, that happened last Christmas when we, when we got, the, got the tree and uh, got it to the car and the 12-year-old was looking at you and you were looking at him and finally I had to say, can you please, to him, can you please help us? tie this to the roof so uh yes thank goodness for for 12 and 14 year olds who are allowed to to work in that capacity or else we would have to have a tree out of a box well as you watched him saw the tree down i thought he may as well have just taken the handsaw and sawed something else off because (laughs) certainly the way that's how you felt afterwards well my favorite tree that we've had since we've been married is one of the is a charlie brown tree we brought a tree home and it was lovely when we brought it home, but we didn't, we meaning you, <laughs> didn't bring it inside immediately. So it was in the garage. And, and while it was out there, some of the snow that was on it kind of melted and then it refroze so that the next day when you carried the tree, when you dragged the tree into the house, any anything that it hit broke the branch. So by the time we put the tree up, there was a whole chunk of the tree that was missing. It was a Charlie Brown tree. It was a hideous looking tree. But every time I looked at it, I just would burst out laughing and I couldn't stop laughing. So I, that's my favorite tree ever. And it deserves a home as much as the other. But it was, it was so, it was so bad. It, every time it made me just laugh from my gut. And I don't know why I'm equating these two things, but it kind of makes me think of our kids now when they bring home school pictures or before they bring them home, when you order their pictures, you can pay extra for the retouching of them. So if if they have a hair out of place, that can be fixed. If they have a pimple that day, that can be fixed. And And for an even larger fee, you can get a picture of somebody else's (laughs) kid. Right. Or, Or there's always the retakes. And and my sister, one of her boys had a school picture taken and he had the goofiest look on his face. He, d- he didn't look like himself. And, and so she had the retakes done. And I said to her, fine if you have the retakes, but also keep this one because these are the ones that are, are the best. I don't want the, the touched up version. If we have the picture of our of one of our kids and they have a black eye in, in that in that class photo, well, that's the one they were going to remember because there's a story that goes goes along with the black eye. So I don't like the whole notion of retouching. I don't like, you know, the notion of, all right, we have a, a, our tree is now a hideous tree, so let's get a new one. I love that. I don't remember any of our other Christmas trees, but I remember that hideous looking tree just for that reason, because it just made me laugh every time I looked at it. My feeling is if you're going to get the retouching, you may as well just buy the frame and leave the picture that comes in the frame in the frame. <laughs> exactly right. One of my favorite pictures of your, you have a family photo from, I don't know how old you were, maybe high school at the time. And in the picture, you have a black eye. 
because in your it's 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 more of a of a uh, bruised cheek. Actually, it's a big scab in my cheek because my brother Tom tagged me the day before the picture. Our next door neighbor was a photographer and took the picture in his basement. Tagged as you a, meaning he punched, punched you in yeah, the yeah. face. Yeah, yes. Our next door neighbor was a photographer, took the picture as a surprise for my parents' anniversary. We got it framed and presented it to them, and, and I am forever preserved with a big welt on my cheek in the photo from Tom punching me. Tom of Tom, Dick, and Harry are our, our, our theme song artists. I mean, and it's, I, I love it. I mean, that, that picture has a story behind it that, that most don't. So keep those ugly trees, don't retouch your photos. We don't condone violence. Don't punch your brother. But if you do, take a picture of it the next day. <laughs> I should also add that while you won the fake tree versus real tree battle, and there was never going to be a contest, you also won the battle of the lights. I prefer my childhood tradition of primary colored giant bulb, red, blue, purple, yellow, white lights. I like the house to look like a used car lot at Christmas time. You go with this kind of tasteful white lights, candles in the window. Well, we grew up with the candles in the window, but we did have those big colorful bulbs. But for a while, the only colorful bulbs you could get were the little ones. So I do like the look better now of the little white lights, but I would be more than happy and willing to get the big fat colorful bulbs because I had those as kids too. But while you may prefer our house to be lit up like whatever, (laughs) we have... You put lights on the, on the trees outside of our house, I don't know how many years ago, and you never took them off. So now you can't take them off because well, you, you the can't. tree has grown around the lights. And now the, the arborvitae is lit from within when we plug the, when we plug <laughs> the lights back in. It's well, amazing. You couldn't, you couldn't do that now. You do realize that when Christmas was done, you should have taken those lights off. You're not supposed to leave them on So I can lounge. put them back up 365 <laughs> days later? <laughs> Well, maybe 335 days later. Yeah, yes. Yes, you put them on, they've never come off. And fortunately, they I don't know how, but they do still light up at Christmas. At some point, I'm sure it's got to strangle the growth of the arborvitaes. It hasn't yet. It doesn't appear to have no, since they were planted huge. a few years ago and they're all 80 feet tall now. You know, we're talking about the you know, the joys of setting up assembling the Christmas tree or putting up the uh, putting the lights inside the the bushes. I recalled a f- kind of forgotten childhood joy this weekend when we were at 12 youth basketball games and our son having to attend his older siblings' basketball games would frantically, he brings a basketball to the games and would frantically dribble out for the 30-second timeouts and get off as many shots as he could while a thousand other basketballs peg him in the head from all the other kids doing the exact same thing. And then they would scatter like like cockroaches in the light as soon as that buzzer buzzed to end the timeout. And then the blissful four or five minute, whatever it is, half times where they, they could get 100 jumpers up in four minutes. And I remember doing that as a kid at other friends' basketball games because my brothers all played hockey, and I miss it. Well, I remember as a kid, it, it wouldn't even have to be at a game, but if you found a playground or anywhere that had a glass backboard that wasn't, you know, not a, every everywhere you went, like the backboard I had in my driveway was the fan-shaped, fan-shaped yeah. fiberglass or, not, or whatever that w- material yeah. was, but it wasn't glass. My high school actually square. had glass backboards, but they were fan-shaped glass backboards, which you just don't <laughs> I see. I mean, why not spring the extra five bucks and get the square glass that you can jump up and slap the glass? 
But that that was it as a kid was, you know, finding that backboard. But that makes me think, too, because I've seen our kids do it. And I can remember doing it in our house, just running up in the if you have an attic in your house and you have that little string that hangs down from the from the door to the attic was being a kid and jumping and trying to hit that string. And just when you got to the age where you could do that or in my elementary school, when you could you're finally big enough. And for me, that was before every other kid my age where you could jump up and touch the part of the ceiling when you would go through the doors or touch the door jam. You were four by the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but those little things, and, and, and you totally forget about them as adults until you watch your kids your kids try to do those things. But, you know, our son gets so proud when he can, you know, jump up and touch something that he wasn't able to touch before. And then we crank the basketball hoop back up and he realized he hasn't grown quite that much. <laughs> Our kids also run down the hall and now they're tall enough that instead of reaching up to hit the uh, the little string hanging down from the attic door with their hand, they, they hit it with their head and right. uh, say arsenal is the, uh, is the buzzword when they do that. I had another recovered childhood memory at Thanksgiving. We still have some leftover Halloween candy I'm talking Lots about left, left stuff over leftover that candy. we hadn't given out, and some of them were right. little three-pack bags of Whoppers. And as I was eating those Whoppers, you know, you you, you leave the, the ends intact, and you squeeze from the bottom, and then each individual Whopper pops out. It's exactly the way I eat edamame now right. <laughs> from the Chinese aforementioned uh, restaurant that you mentioned, but... But I hadn't eaten Whoppers in that. I hadn't eaten Whoppers, but I hadn't eaten Whoppers in that way in 30 years. We, we've talked about this before with other things, but Whoppers is one of those foods that you only eat at the movies. Whoppers are. Whoppers are. You can't say Whoppers. Like whoppers as is. Whoppers, like a Whopper. Anyway, the, the Whopper candy is one of those things that you only eat at the movies or at Halloween. There's only two times a year that you eat it. Just like we've talked about this, the only time you drink ginger ale is on an airplane or in a hospital. Like there are certain places, the, o- the only time people eat Biscoff cookies is if they fly Delta and eat them on the plane. I like them so much, I have found them other places so I can put them in homemade ice cream. But for the most part, the only place you will ever eat a Biscoff cookie is if you're on an airplane. It's just, and, and in movies is the only place you're going to eat dots is in a movie theater or or after In fact, I, I don't even think it counts as food because a few summers ago we were in Minneapolis and we took our nephews and nieces and our own kids to a movie. I think it was uh, Judy Moody in the Nut Bummer Summer. So it was more than a few summers ago now. And I asked our nephew, Joe, I asked everybody if they wanted something to eat. They all gave me a food order. Joe didn't give me anything. And so I said, Joe, who was probably eight at the time, Joe, do you want anything from the lobby? And he said, no, thank you. Just Whoppers. <laughs> As if obviously the bare minimum at the movies was to get a 64-ounce box of Whoppers. But other than that, he wanted nothing. To go along with the giant tub of popcorn and the, the giant cola. We've got some viewer mail from this past week. The first one is the the tweet that someone sent me that said, I was wrong. I think at some point when you and I were talking about the garbage disposal, not the disposal, the garbage disposal, I said that uh, eggshells help clean it. And somebody said to me, sent me a tweet that said, no, eggshells actually are bad for the garbage disposal. And so I Googled it and Google says it creates sand-like particles that clog the disposal. 
So do not put your eggshells. I'm probably the only one who thought it was a good idea to put them in there anyway. Don't put all your eggshells in one disposal. It's basically what I'm saying to it, you. <laughs> it creates a sand seal. <laughs> yes. It creates a sand seal. I had people the day the day before Thanksgiving, I went to the grocery store because I thought I was all set, but I needed a couple of things. And I was there around 9:30 in the morning, and the grocery store was full of men who were looking very confused. Men I don't see there regularly. Men I don't don't generally see there see them at all. They were looking confused and they were looking beaten down. And so I tweeted that. Most people said, you know, absolutely. I've ex- experienced the same thing. I had a few people say, that's a generalization. You know, taking huge offense to that. The fact that I said that. It was what I observed. It was absolutely 100% accurate. I'm not saying every man there was looking confused. I'm saying every man I saw was looking confused and beaten down. So to the men that were at the grocery store the day before Thanksgiving, I feel your pain because I saw your pain. And we talked about inane airline speak. My friend Sam Farmer from the LA Times added a favorite phrase of his, which is, we will be landing momentarily. And as Sam said, (laughs) Well, will we at least land long enough for us to get off the plane? (laughs) This past weekend, our our daughters had basketball games. Our oldest, who is 12, we got to the game, which was 40 minutes away, and she told me uh, that she forgot her shoes. Because, of course, kids don't wear sneakers to the games anymore. They put their slides on and they bring their shoes, or don't bring their shoes, as was the case with her. And what really frustrated me was that It was the second time this happened in two weeks. Two weeks before that, we had gotten to practice, again, 25 minutes from our house, and she had forgotten her shoes. So she is tall. She has big feet. So she was able to wear my sneakers. And so I sent a tweet out, you know, that this had happened. Should I have let her wear my sneakers or should I have made her sit it out? And my favorite response to that was Cheryl Reeve, who was the head coach of the Minnesota Lynx, the the WNBA champion from this past summer, said, fine her. And hashtag, it's not personal, pay the money. So <laughs> I don't know that I will find her, but a lot of people have said, don't give her your shoes anymore. She will be forced to miss the game and she'll learn her lesson. The problem is I know our daughter. And even if she, I didn't give her my shoes and she was forced to miss the game, she's not learning her lesson. She's not doing it on purpose. She's just got so much swirling around in her brain that she doesn't know what's going on. So I do like the idea of finding her. I'd have to find her. Her only source of income right now is the, the money she gets from doing some chores that she rarely does. So we might have to start finding her from her chore money jar. Uh, last bit of your mail. I had forgotten to address the elephant in my bladder. The kidney stone has gone. Let's never <laughs> speak of it again. Thank you for all your concern. Anything else? No, but it was gone the morning of Thanksgiving. It was a holiday miracle. It it was a holiday miracle and and so happy for that. And uh, people have told us that we should ask people who listen to leave a review on iTunes. I don't know why we should ask you to leave a review on iTunes. I don't know how that helps, but apparently it does. So leave a review on iTunes and we appreciate that. So for producer Denny Gallagher with one N and Denny, two L's in Gallagher. I still haven't asked him. This is the mystery of all mysteries. We're going to get an answer next. When when we get him up here, we're going to get an answer to why the one in in Denny. Let's keep stringing it out. I think we should. It's the only cliffhanger we have. Anybody else? For our producer, Denny Gallagher, for my hi, Gran, and for everybody else out there who's been supporting 
girls and women's in hoops for all these years. Promise to give a shout out to Eric Pankey and Adams Knight for the logo. You like your caricature? I do. I like mine. We're self We are caricatures. And, and in that regard, Tom, Dick, and Harry, caricature us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.